Good morning, everybody. Uh, praise the Lord. These are readings this Sunday. All powerful. Did you feel the weight of the words from our Lord today? It's one of the hardest teachings that our Lord presents to us. Oh, did you feel the weight of it? If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. This is absolutely counterintuitive. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? I thought you are all about love and being nice. Oh, our Lord does not mince words here. Unless you hate. And that word, especially in the modern context, oh, we, we recoil at that word, hate. And I use that word specifically because our Lord himself uses it. What does Jesus mean? Because if you read the Ten Commandments, what does God tell Moses? The fourth command, which is the first commandment that deals with human interpersonal relationships. God says, honor your mother and father. And then here comes this Jesus. Hate your mother and father. And he expands it and he deepens it. Hate your wife, hate your children, hate your brothers and sisters, hate yourself. Do you, do, do you now see the great contradiction or seemingly on the surface? What is our Lord trying to get at here? It's simple. Jesus wants to be the most important relationship of our lives. Period, amen, and a story. Jesus Christ wants to be the most important person in your life and in my life. He demands nothing else, and he will take no seconds or thirds or, or crumbs. Oh no, our Lord demands our entire hearts. And oh, how radical this is. When a young man discerns a call to the priesthood, do you know what the hardest stumbling block it is for a young man, by the way? Or even ask one of the sisters. We're blessed to have sisters in our parish. You ask a sister what is the hardest thing to enter into the convent. They won't mention the funny clothes, by the way, that we wear. No, not that. It's the totality of what the church asks. It's celibacy. This strange countercultural word. You will not get married. Your whole life belongs to me. And oh, how counterculture that is. How hard it is, especially in our, or in our day and age, isn't it? You know, when I was a young man, as, as if you read the, the bio before I got here, it was my junior year, just down the road here at the University of Davis, where the Lord really began to place upon my heart to become a priest. Again, what a strange idea, especially in the college context. 
when everybody else is partying and trying to live up the college scene, going to frat parties, sorority parties, you name it, you know the college scene is like, then all of a sudden here you're, oh, I want to be a priest. What a weirdo. You feel like an alien. You ask anybody that's young, that's in the college scene, and all of a sudden God places that in your heart, you have no idea who to talk to because all of your friends are just embracing that worldly lifestyle. Like an irritating song. You ever get a song stuck in your head, by the way? It was like that. But this particular irritating song from God only had one lyric. Priesthood, priesthood, priesthood. I said, Lord, why are you calling me to be a priest? I'm not the best Catholic in the world. You know I'm a sinner and weak. My faith is small. By this time... I was doing something very dangerous in my spiritual life. I started to pray the rosary every day. Be careful when you do that, by the way. And so here I was, I'm a junior in college, and I'm praying the rosary, and the, and the song of priesthood kept coming into my heart and my mind, and I said, Lord, all right, you obviously brought this to me. If you want me to be a priest, and my humble little prayer as a college junior was simply, prepare my heart for it. Because, you know, I want to get married. I want to meet that beautiful girl. I want, I want to have a family. The typical desires of the human heart. I want love, Lord. But if you're calling me to be a priest, prepare my heart for it. And then I pray my rosary. <laughs> so that was my routine. Say a little prayer, pray the rosary. And then, to my great delight, at the end of my junior year, Leslie Lyle Nethercott enters into my world. Oh, she was beautiful. Not just physically or her personality. Oh, she was a strong woman of God. Oh, she was beautiful in her Catholic faith. And we just, you know, one of those people that you just click. You know, sometimes when we, when we try to imagine that, that beautiful person in our lives that we want to marry, we write down the qualities of the, our future spouse would ideally have. Oh, she met every single quality that I wrote down. And I would let her find out. And sisters, I don't know if you do this or not as well, but Leslie had four pages of the qualities that her perfect husband would have. Four pages. And she told me that I met every single one. Oh, it was beautiful, our relationship. Just going to give you an idea. Our longest conversation over the phone was nine hours, which felt like nine minutes. What do you talk about for nine hours? That's the beauty of it. You talk about nothing, and yet you talk about everything. One of our very first dates, I planned a spectacular day in the city. I researched a spot near the bay where the sun would set precisely between the towers of the Golden Gate Bridge. We sat there on the shore and we watched the beautiful sun set. And I was praying for good weather because, as you know, San Francisco, all of a sudden, the, the, who knows when the fog rolls in and all of a sudden you can't see anything in the, even in the middle of summer. I said, Lord, grant me good weather. He did. 
We watched the sun set silently. Made our way then after the sun set in the evening. We went to this restaurant which sits on top of the Hyatt Regency. It's a restaurant called the Equinox. And what was fun about the Equinox was that it was one of those restaurants which literally rotates. And so you can you eat your meal. Of course, we were college students, so I could only afford dessert. So I bought dessert. And we nursed that dessert for hours. <laughs> and we just sat there as the restaurant slowly turned and we saw the beauty of the city of San Francisco. On the way back, we were driving down 80, of course, heading back to school, back to Davis. And especially as a man, you know, when, you, when you're driving and you're on your first date, you, you, you sneak glances at your date. I was driving a beat-up old brown forerunner at the time. Not the best car in the world, but I, was, I would drive and I'd glance at her. Oh, she was so beautiful in the evening light. And then something came over me. I don't know where it came from, this, this courage. And brothers, I give you full permission to use this line on your girlfriend and your wife or your significant other. It's a powerful line. And I fully give you copyright permission to use it one day. I turned to her as I was driving, and we were in between Vacaville and Dixon. I remember the exact spot, too. We were driving down 80. And I turned to her, and I said, Leslie. She says, yes. I see myself growing old with you. After I said that, I said, oh my gosh, did I really just say that corny line? Who says that on their first date? I was like, is she going to slap me? And I said, oh gosh, what did I just say? And beautifully, oh, this girl, she, 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 she was sitting there, and she was, I can tell by the look of her face, she was pensive and just reflecting upon the weight of that statement. She nods her head. She says, me too. And then we just kept on driving to Davis. <laughs> Dropped her off. I was a gentleman. That was our relationship. Thank you, God. I'm called to married life now. I don't have to think about the priesthood anymore. This would continue for a few months. Still praying my rosary, going to Mass every Sunday. We're praying together. Many of our dates would be at home in, in her apartment just singing praise or worship songs. And that irritating song came back, this time louder than ever. Priesthood, priesthood, priesthood. I said, no. No, God. How dare you bring this beautiful person into my life? I've been searching for her. I will not let go of her. How dare you? No. I'm going to marry her, and we're going to have 20 kids. We're going to have a beautiful Catholic family. I'll become anything you want. I'll become even a permanent deacon, if you call me to that. I'll become a missionary family. Send our family to Africa, and we'll live as missionaries there. But you will not demand of me of this. 
No. And oh, when we live like that in direct opposition to God's will, and I knew at that point, like plain as day, what God wanted of me, and I refused. But when you live like that, what begins to happen, there is no peace. No peace in your heart. One of our other dates, we go to Lake Elizabeth. It's in Fremont. I don't know. I took her to water. I don't know why. We went to Lake Elizabeth. It was late at night. It was a beautiful full moon. We find this park bench. And we're just sitting there, not saying much. The light of the full moon reflected off the calmness of the water directly into her eyes. I can still smell her shampoo in the air. And then all of a sudden, again, I turned to her, and I wasn't planning on saying this. I said, Leslie, you always known that I was open to the priesthood, because one of our very first conversations was that. We talked about our, our faith and our vocations and what God was asking of us. And I said, from the very beginning, I told her, I think God might be calling me to be a priest, but I don't know. I'm just a kid. But it was because of you now that I see the possibility of love. Immediately, I thought of that prayer petition that I was doing. Do you remember? When I would pray, before I even knew her, and I would pray at night, Lord, if you want me to be a priest, prepare my heart. And I realized at that moment, God had used Leslie to reveal to me the possibility of married love. And he had prepared my heart, which I was desperately praying for. And then he asked me, now that I've revealed this to you, are you willing to let it go? I am calling you to be a priest, to lay down your life for me. Are you willing to? And so all of this is going on in my, in my head as I turned to her and I said, Leslie, God used you. Revealed to me something beautiful and profound, which I was, was all totally unexpected. And I'm ready to say, Yes. Oh, at that moment, the, the best way I can describe it, I'm going to use cheesy language here, but bear with me. because it's, it's, When you think about, whenever we encounter God, sometimes it's hard to, to use the appropriate words. It was at that moment. The universe stopped. Everything became silent. It was as if it took a breath and held it. And this waterfall of peace engulfed me at that moment. I've never felt such peace before in my life, and I, and I haven't since. It was a deep peace which goes beyond all understanding. 
And it was bizarre because here was this beautiful girl. She's bawling her eyes out right in front of me because she understood the implications of what my words meant. We were done. Walking away from each other. After the tears subsided, we got back in her car, and again, I dropped her home. We didn't talk for about a week, but then, like all things human, we started to hang out again. Oh, we're friends, right? Oh, friends go to the movies, right? Those friends always go to the movies. All of a sudden, you're, you're in the movie theater, sitting in the same chair side by side. All of a sudden, you start holding hands. Oh, but we're friends. And we started entering into that zone where you're more than friends, but you're not quite dating, and so we're in that weird, kind of foggy area, and you don't talk about anything. We completely ignore the conversation at Lake Elizabeth, pretend like nothing happened. This is how Catholic she is. Lent of 2002 comes. Anyway, as Catholics, when Lent approaches, we start to think about, what are we going to give up? She comes to me running, all bubbly and happy, as she always does, and she says, I have a great idea, Brian. It's like, what? For Lent? I want to give you up. I said, what? So she started smiling. Yeah, I'm going to give you up. I can't wait. I said, what are you talking about? You don't give up people. You give up chocolate. You give up cookies, television, the easy stuff. You don't give up people. And I was angry at her because I knew... If we didn't talk for 40 days, we would realize how dumb we were. After Lent was over, she says, Brian, I found someone new. Oh, that knocked the wind out of me. Shattered my heart when you hear that from someone you love. And I was forced to go our separate ways from now, and I had no choice. Again, this is how beautiful of a daughter of God she is. At that time, the vocation director of the Diocese of Sacramento was someone you know, Father Humberto Gomez your previous pastor. Leslie contacted Father Gomez, set up all of my appointments, got my application to join the seminary. She comes to me, she throws it in my face. She says, you know what God is asking of you? Stop being a wimp. Be a strong Catholic man. You know what God wants of you. St get up. Give your life to Jesus. I can't get on with my life knowing you're just sitting here doing nothing. This is what a beautiful sister she is. I would fill that application out, and I had my meeting with Father Gomez, and the whole application, rigorous process. And in the fall of 2000. And Three, I would enter the seminary. It takes about seven years to become a priest. 
When my ordination finally arrived, I had the great privilege of being ordained in Rome, in Vatican City, in St. Peter's Basilica. Leslie flew out for that. She came. She wept the entire Mass. Why do I share this story? It's because what our Lord commands of us is absolutely clear. He wants our whole heart. And if we truly want to love, it's going to cost us. We have to put skin in the game. And that is why the next line, after our Lord commands of us to hate, whew, if you do not carry your own cross and come after me, you cannot be my disciple. The cross is heavy, it has splinters, and it hurts. If you want to love the way like Christ loves, it will bleed. There is no fair-weather disciples here. If we want to learn how to love, truly love, our father, our mother, our wives, our children, our brothers and sisters, and even ourselves, we must first learn how to hate.